0: Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada with another episode of The Yacking Show. This is the show that brings you a greater range of actionable tips and ideas for your business than you will find practically anywhere else on the internet in one place. First, let's welcome co-host Kathleen Beauvais from down the road from me in Waterloo, Ontario. Hi, Kathleen. Take it away.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Peter. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We're very excited to have another special guest with us today. Her name is Nikki Cobble. Hello, Nikki. Welcome to the show. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, Kathleen. Thanks for having me on. And you, Peter. Now, Nikki is the founder and COO
1: of Outsource Aid. This is a company that helps businesses and entrepreneurs scale their businesses by showing them what they can outsource. Today, she'll be talking about how you can scale your business by outsourcing tasks you currently do on your own. I can't wait to delve into this topic because this has been uh, an area of interest to our audience. Uh, But first, before we delve into the topic, Nikki, give us a little bit about your background and what made you choose to delve into the outsourcing world.
2: Yes, ma'am. So thank you for the introduction, Kathleen. Uh, Basically, what got me into the realm of outsourcing and really being an expert in delegation is, though I'm quite young, I graduated at 20 and um, quickly became an ISO, so an independent sales organization for a processor, which is a very passive business, and I wanted to make it even more passive so I could start different ventures if I wanted to, and that led me to hiring my own virtual assistant. I recruited mine from the Philippines. And within a month, I really was working about two hours a week, max maybe, um, on a job that was originally taking me eight hours a day. People caught on, people wanted what I was doing. And that's when I realized, wow, there really is a niche. There is a need for people who want to make their jobs more passive or maybe start selling more by doing more of what they love and less of stuff they don't love, like emails. Um, so that 's really what opened my mind to outsourcing and why I started outsource Save.
0: Mm-hmm. very good, very good, so particularly now when there 's fears of recession and inflation and everything else, many businesses are cutting costs and laying people off and i I believe that many conventional businesses, perhaps more so than online businesses. They're nervous about taking on more full-time employees, but when you talk about part-time, they—if they're my generation—they think of Kelly Girl and all those other part-time things, where you still have quite a quite a big commitment of so many days or weeks mm-hmm. at a time, which is totally different to what you're t- talking about. So, um, how do you how do you get these type of businesses to get over that convert, that old style thinking and and adopt the idea of virtual employees, if perhaps in other countries?
2: Mm -hmm. you're right there definitely is still a mental barrier um and I don't want to promote COVID at all but you know thanks to COVID people really are opening their mind up to remote work I mean you're not seeing your employees anyway Mm -hmm. and so there really is no difference whether or not they're two miles down the road or in the Philippines which Mm -hmm. I uh, exclusively recruit from now uh to kind of help people get over the mental barrier we do have Kind of uh, packages, it's set up to where you can dip your toe in. Start with five hours a week. Mm-hmm. That's one hour a day. Just delegate mm-hmm. one task, and then quickly, I did that with most clients. I have one she um, does the payroll for fourteen sonics so fourteen fast food chains, restaurants, and uh, quickly within I think one or two weeks, they're like, okay, we need her for twenty hours a week. Like so, they really mm-hmm. see the value quite quickly. So dip your toe in give them a task, see the value, find out how you communicate best with them and um, then increase the hours accordingly.
1: Right. So mm-hmm. what is, what is your typical client look like? What tasks do they usually need help with?
2: Uh, so that's very well phrased. What tasks do they need help with? Because mm-hmm. I have a lot of businesses, business owners, entrepreneurs who kind of go with what they feel like they want to do. Like, um, you know, if they're making less than six figures, they're kind of new. Oh, they hate Facebook. They don't like Instagram. I'm just going to get my, I'm going to get a VA and I'm just going to have them do social media. That's not always helpful. And that does not lead to quick results. You know, social media is slow. It's Mm -hmm. organic. So I wouldn't always recommend that unless that's very pivotal, pivotal to your business, you know, like you're a marketing agency or something but really, you will find the best use in you know auditing your own time and going, "Wow, I spend three hours a day on email. So having someone managing your email is huge or doing data entry or um if you have multiple employees like a restaurant or a retail shop handling their their payroll like Sonic is doing, you know, big fourteen sonic chains, um, she's editing their. When they, when they go over their hours, I, I can't even remember the word at the moment. But, you know, definitely just everyone's different. My suggestion is time audit yourself. See where you're spending the most time and start with that. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: okay. So to that I was going to ask you at what level most, most businesses start. So are most of your clients um, entrepreneurs and online or, or you've just mentioned the restaurant or do you have a lot of brick and mortar businesses as well?
2: Most of them actually are brick and mortar businesses. Are they? Shockingly, okay, okay. so it is a. It's almost made for businesses or business owners that are into e-commerce or Shopify mm-hmm. or Amazon um, distribution. I forget what that's. Oh, drop shipping is the term. Drop shipping, uh, yeah. Really, I've been specializing in small businesses, business owners like your mom and pop down the street where they need to be focusing on being in the business or maybe making sales calls and they want to delegate the stuff they don't like doing. Like for example, bookkeeping is another one, or
0: mm-hmm. even if
2: you're a stay at home mom, having them book your trips, having them buy your groceries when, when you don't want to, having them um, organize your schedule or plan events. I mean, it, there's endless opportunities.
0: with. Mm. Oh, it sounds like it. So let me jump in quick. Another mental barrier that, I know, speaking to people, a lot of people, is the only experience of virtual workers in foreign countries, and it's not only Philippines, India comes to mind, is being called by call centers or or getting a call center response when they're trying to sort out a problem with their telephone account. We we find in Canada that's a particular one that, that irks us, or sometimes banks as well outsource. Uh, so is is that a negative that you have to sort of uh, get around, or, or does that not come up too much, the experience Absolutely. of people with call centers?
2: Mm-hmm. It, no, it's it's the first thing that kind of does come up is do yeah. they have an accent or, you know, they're really worried, and it's not so much discrimination. It's more so, like you said, we're used to being on the phone with them for four hours, and it's a terrible experience. Um, that is why I don't do India, because they do have accents, and they're more so for developing and software and coding. Yeah. Whereas Philippines, you know, they're a very westernized culture, their their um, native language for the most part is English, there's very minimal communication barrier. And if it is going to be a position where they're taking support calls or customer calls or sales calls, I will provide um, a sample of their voice just so they can approve it. Um, so it is something that needs to be overcome, but it is mm-hmm. definitely something that we address openly.
0: Right. Okay.
2: So do you Just think things. that um,
1: advances in automations um, and AI, for example, you know, you have programs like Airtable and Asana will reduce mm-hmm.
2: the demand for virtual assistants? That you can look at it in two ways. That's a fantastic question. On my end, uh, with the my most recent two clients, it's actually what made them want a virtual assistant. So they're getting these softwares and they don't necessarily want to go through the learning curve or they Mm -hmm. they still don't want to handle it. So for example, um, their email marketing CRM or or an Airtable or their Asana. So it's actually bridging the gap between the remote work as well. So it it encourages teamwork and encourages remote work. And then the VA gets to the virtual assistant gets to manage it, whereas the business owner Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be in it as much
0: yeah i i can see that we we've recently started using airtable quite extensively for our own automations and oh, it saves a huge amount of time and and i'm lucky i'm quite interested in in that sort of thing and developing mm-hmm. that but if i wasn't yeah we would probably have had to look for someone outside to mm-hmm. set it up for us for sure so um we had an experience with with someone from the Philippines that uh, we needed some transcripts done for some of our shows, and we used a, a service over there. A young woman, and wow, their service was good. Their costs were low, so we we were very impressed with what the service we got there. That, that was a good a good one. What about training for entry or, or business specific tasks? Do you do you work with the employer, the business owner, to get that training done right up front?
2: Yeah, so a little bit i'll say that you know we have our introduction call i have them kind of give me their time audit you know where's where's their time being spent what are they looking for and then i recruit specifically someone that has you know x level of years in that industry and that experience mm-hmm. so i go out and i source someone already with that experience and then i'd say with the first 2 weeks i do help with onboarding and training and you know it does take some hand-holding to teach them how to best communicate with them. And then I kind of do leave training, ongoing training on on the business owner. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I do give them the tools, like I'm not sure if you're familiar with Loom, but Loom is a great tool for helping with training because it will screen record oh. your computer screen and you get mm-hmm. to walk through the process while you're doing it. So I do help them to train, but really it's once I make the placement, you know, it is then their employee and they kind of take it from there. Okay. Hmm.
1: That's it. That's interesting. So, so if somebody, if a, if a business had a very specific program that they were working with, such as a payroll type of of program, such as QuickBooks or Airtable that we were just talking about or Asana, do you, do you you find the people that actually have the experience in those specific programs? Yes, ma'am. And yes. the Philippines has a rich um, pool of talent, I guess, that mm-hmm. for people that have these types of experiences, I take it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, you'd be surprised because that is the most desirable job, desirable job in the Philippines is being a virtual assistant. They like mm-hmm. staying home. They like working remotely. It does pay better. And, you know, we're paying some people as low as $4 an hour, but that is so much to them over there. Mm-hmm. So that is what they desire so you they go through courses and training and with all different softwares just so they can be more effective to clients in the United States well mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. that's
1: fantastic so if I were to contact you uh Nikki as a client and can you walk me through the process you would take with me uh just to get the things the initial steps rolling
2: yeah absolutely so you would, you know, come to my website, you would, which is youroutsourstay.com or, you know, email, contact, LinkedIn, whatever. Um, and my first thing I would do is like, I've been saying is ask for you to at least for a day, an afternoon, do a self time audit as loosely as it is, set an alarm on your phone for every three hours, jot down what you just did. Um, Cause I'd love to get, you know, a day in your shoes to see where you're spending your time. And so, you know, most business owners don't even know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would ask you know for a virtual talk we would go through what you need I would begin sourcing and screening their candidates for them this can take from three days to two weeks uh, and even if they want to interview the top candidates I'll allow them to interview them too most don't interview um, so I'll just give them their virtual assistant handhold them on the first week training introductions and then really it's their virtual assistant it's their employee and off to the races but i will say because no one likes to kind of pay overseas so the client will pay me and then i would pay the virtual Mm -hmm. assistant on their behalf right Right. but that's it on a high level
0: yeah so i've just picked up on something you said you say most business owners don't know where they spend their time
2: yeah most don't well they have an idea but the idea is almost a narrative, like oh, I spend you know four hours of my day doing sales, which is such a broad term. But really, you know, they'll they'll see oh wow, I spent X amount of time on email and on my phone and at the water cooler, for example. So I just think all business owners do get a little bit of a shock when they kind of track their time more. I will say that. I
0: well, must be the exception because I track every day like wow. a lawyer. To the minutes, awesome. to the five minutes,
1: to the five
0: minutes, what I'm spending my time. Because I read a really good article that says just work on a hundred dollars an hour as a, as a level of income. Mm-hmm. Every minute you waste is $1.66, right? That's <laughs> that stuck in um, my mind. So, so I do uh, that. What about the, the legal angle, Nikki? Um, yeah. Because a, a friend of mine did something similar to yours. And then they had a client who, who didn't want to pay and, and, Poach the the overseas employee away, and uh, it got quite ugly. Um, Does your contract protect you from that sort of thing well enough, or do you end up with some odd situations?
2: Yeah, so we've had we've run into no issues so far with any client, and uh, we did have a lawyer write up contracts. And I'm not going. People get scared of the word contract. It's not so. I can, you know, you sign this contract, Mm -hmm. and you have to keep your virtual assistant for X amount of time. It's really the virtual assistant signs it, the business owner signs it, and it's to protect both people and that. Let's say you give them confidential information mm-hmm. like credit card or uh, login credentials, whatever it is to protect that business owner that the fault is on that virtual assistant and vice versa. You know, if you're the client and you had them work in 10 hours a week and you decided, oh, I didn't love the work you still have to pay them for the time spent. So it's just to protect sure. both parties. right?
0: Yeah, so absolutely. You and then you know, I think to, to I did some contract writing, uh, content creation some years back for a company and just to put our audience's minds at risk, there there's a lot of tools to help with that security. For instance, so if you're giving somebody a password to get into a certain website, you can restrict it and you can turn it off very easily, right? So there's mm-hmm. High level of security with that sort of thing,
1: and, and you so, don't you don't need a a, a a separate company entity in the Philippines in order to do what you're doing, though, right? You can simply as an American, you're an American company, and you just simply outsource, so you don't have to have um, basically a, a a company set up in the Philippines in order to operate. That
2: is correct. Yes, okay. U.S. based business. Yeah. But we're recruiting from the Philippines, but Mm -hmm. yes, ma'am.
0: Okay, great. That's good to know. So I I guess you you said the Philippines has got a very Western style culture. So probably you can find people with experience and who would be competent in most industries. I know that there's some agricultural service industries in Canada, probably more so in the States that look to using um, to outsourcing some of their work. So I don't think Philippines has large scale agriculture like we do in North America. Is that an area that uh, you could accommodate or, or not?
2: Yeah. It, it more so depends on the actual task itself more than the industry. So within every industry, there are similar tasks, Mm -hmm. but um, really it just does take depending on the complexity. Just are they trainable? Can they learn a system? Can they go through a week of training or a month of training and pick up the task? Uh, what I will say, top industries are, tend to be, you know, marketing, real estate, health insurance. A lot of assistants tend to have a background in
0: Sure, in that. sure, sure. But for instance, if you wanted someone to run a, a CRM, whether your customers are farmers or not, the principles are much the same, right? So exactly. that, would, that would be a relatively straightforward one. If you wanted someone to accumulate data on plowing practices for prairie grain farmers, that might be a bit of a problem. Sort of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. No, that, that, that's good. So, where, where does your industry go from here? I, I think I know the answer to that, but I'd like to hear it from you. Um, What do you see going down, looking ahead five years? What do you see your, not just your business, but the outsourcing virtual assistant remote work industry?
2: Mm -hmm. So um, I guess fortunately and unfortunately, it's really becoming immensely popular very, very quickly. So, I mean, I truly hope, that prices don't rise too much, you know, as it becomes more saturated, everyone just increases their prices and they Mm -hmm. can't really be decreased. They're so low already. Mm -hmm. Um, But really I think to differentiate is just specialization. So instead of me saying, you tell me what you want, and I am just going to find you whoever you need. I want to be the one um, being known for specialized virtual assistants. I want to be the Mm -hmm. one training them. So people come to outsource aid for, you know the best marketing VA or the best copyright VA, um, and that is down the road. And I think that's what each company will have to do is just right. specializing in niching.
0: Mm-hmm. and niching. Oh, that make, certainly makes sense. Yeah.
2: And when you're when you're working with
1: um, companies outside the US, do they have to they they pay you? I take it in still in US dollars or in their own currency?
2: Um, I use a platform called Remitly. I'm not sure if that's okay. but it does it can switch currencies so that there's no fees incurred on on either side
0: Mm -hmm. okay and that's that's how i would pay
2: the virtual assistants as well
0: yeah so nikki what about um time zones because philippines is what about 10 hours ahead of us?
2: 13 ahead of 13 pencil yeah yeah Uh, i love that how do you get
0: around that one yeah how do you get around that
2: Fortunately, again, I cater everything to exactly what a business owner needs. So, if, I mean, I'm in Florida in the United States. We're, most of us are in Central Standard Time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they need you work in Central Standard Time, that is a part of the vetting process. Are you willing to work Central Standard Time? Yes or no? About 99% of VAs will say yes. They have no yeah. issues working during the graveyard shift is what they call it because it's so it's so common for them.
0: Right. Right. But, if, you know, I would guess for some tasks, some industry, it doesn't matter. They, they can work whatever as long as they put in the the contracted hours per day and, and exactly. get through the tasks. Sure. Mm-hmm. Here's one. I'm going on a little bit of a different topic, but I'm going to ask you this question because you've been very successful yourself and you've been dealing with lots of different types of businesses. So in your experience, Nikki, is, with all the people <coughs> that you've come across and businesses particularly, is there one habit or or mindset characteristic that sets the successful people apart from those that remain average? I don't mean just about accumulating wealth or making a lot of money. I mean, having a good life, balanced life, but there's obviously differences. So is there one thing or is it more complicated?
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I had like three or four things instantly come to my mind uh, Mm -hmm. that that I've been trying to implement because I consume books on what successful people do, successful and wealthy. Um, so insulin comes to mind is, you know, reading, journaling, meditation, stuff, uh, who you surround yourself with is even a habit <laughs> what you absorb what you consume that that is who you are. It's your habits. Uh, but really, I think the most important that I've been implementing so far and that I've seen is really visualizing and I mean, manifesting and whether that's mm-hmm. written, written's more powerful, but in your mind, I really think if you can see yourself three or five years from now as specifically as possible you know with x amount in your bank account or with x weight on the scale or whatever your dream is i think you really have to see it and manifest it every day
0: very interesting thank you thank you for that so just to to feedback for you and our our audience would have heard what i'm about to say as well but if they've listened to other episodes we ask that question of most of our guests and Nobody says go and get an MBA or get a good university education or even get a good job. Everyone is in these sort of soft skills and constant learning, reading is right at the top of most of those. So, yeah, thank you for your contribution there.
1: Absolutely.
0: So we have a couple of minutes, Uh, Nikki, Mm -hmm. one, one gem of a tip for our business audience that uh, you could give them that would help them improve their businesses tomorrow. What would you suggest?
2: Oh gosh, implementing it tomorrow. Again, you know, the, the baby habits really starting small. So, if I, if now I'm biased, so I love the idea of delegating and outsourcing, but baby step, do it tomorrow, every three hours, set an alarm on your phone and just really track your time or every two hours, whatever. Like you've been doing every five minutes. I mean, that's so, (laughs) so impressive. I can't even believe it, but know what you're doing in the day to day. Know what stuff is actually driving results for you and know what stuff is $10 an hour work that you shouldn't be doing Mm
1: -hmm. and then
2: make a plan to start delegating it because you will never scale. You'll never grow. You'll be your own bottleneck if you don't.
0: Yeah, Um, absolutely. That is
2: my action tomorrow. Start understanding what you do every minute of the day.
0: You know, I and I said five minutes. What I do is every time I start a task, I set my little timer, which cost about. I got it at the dollar store, right? And it's been going for years with the same battery. So I set the timer, and when I finish that task, I write the time down. And if I get interrupted, I stop it and start again. So I I track to the nearest five minutes, but I don't look at every five minutes what I'm doing, just right. to get that straight. I'm not I, I'm not quite that obsessive, but okay, it's not it, crazy.
2: Everyone,
0: it's oh, so no. <laughs> it does it does. But honestly, just as Nikki's saying, it makes a huge difference when you look at how you spend your eight or ten hours a day when you're supposed to be working. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nikki, that was wonderful. Thank you so that much. That was Back wonderful, Nikki.
2: So let, please tell us, how do people contact you? Yeah, so my website is com. Uh, which will have all the contact information and everything needed. Um, and, and all my socials, my Instagram, LinkedIn is just my name, which is Nikki, N-I-C-K-I-E, Cobble C-O-B-B-L-E. Nikki is spelled weird. I get it. But I'm sure it'll be in their show notes and everything.
0: Oh, yeah. Everything everything will be in there. Thank you, Nikki. And uh, before Kathleen ends off, just a, a quick uh, note to our audience that if you've enjoyed this show, which I'm sure you would have done, don't miss out on our next lot of exciting guests that are coming up. Sign, visit our website, com, and sign up for our newsletter. And then every week we tell you who's coming on board and who's been on board. So back to Kathleen.
1: Well, thank you all so very much. Nikki, thank you for, tune, uh, for, for being on the show today. We so appreciated having you. And uh, we so appreciate your comments, so please keep those coming. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please visit us at theyackingshow.com. And all you need to do is click on the Contacts tab where you will find a short application form. And also, let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. We have access to many experts on this show, and we'd love to hear from you. So until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye.
0: bye